0: My name's Nate, if we haven't met yet, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church. That's me, I'm here, and uh, today we are in week two of our brand new series called Greatness. Everybody say greatness. 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 I love the stars. The stars point to greatness, don't they? Uh, You know, Simone, Simba, and Pumbaa, you guys know those three guys? They're sitting under the stars one night just after they had a big feast of bugs. They're bug eaters. And uh, Timon always has bugs on the brain, right? He's got bugs on the brain. He loves to eat. Ooh, the little bluey, blue, blue, crunchy ones, right? He loves to eat bugs, and he's like, they're looking at the stars, he's like, well, do you guys know what these are? And he's like, yeah, of course I know what they are. They're, they're fireflies. They're, they're fireflies stuck up there in that big bluish black thing, right? And because uh, Timon, he's always thinking about bugs. And then we have Pumba. Pumba's the most accurate of the three of the party, right? And he's like... I always thought they were balls of gas, you know, burning billions of miles away, and he's like, Pumbaa, with you, everything's gas, right, yeah. so that's that was his commentary, and then Simba, Simba was sort of right, but not really, I mean, he was taught as a kid, you know, the stars point to the great kings of old, and they point to greatness, right, the stars point to greatness, and um, he's like, yeah, I think they... Sp- Speak of the greatness of kings of old, and he's thinking of his dad, and later on, he goes out into the field, and the stars are out there, and the smoke billows in, and all this stuff, and his father, Mufasa, shows up riding on the clouds, right? He's like, remember who you are, and that's one of my favorite parts. You are my son, right? The great king of Pride Rock, but to Simba, stars represented greatness, and Disney uses stars to point to greatness because, actually, the truth is, the stars point to greatness, I mean, yes, there are billions of miles away, burning balls of gas, and Pumbaa's right. But the truth is, all throughout the scriptures, stars point to greatness. And uh, it being the Christmas season, we're coming up on the greatest pointing star in all of history. It was a star that stopped over Bethlehem, pointing to the greatest of the greatest person to ever hit the planet, being Jesus Christ. Come on. There was a star when greatness showed up on this planet. He was the greatest God-man of all time. The goat of goats, you know, greatest of all time. Jesus was the greatest of all times. Come on, who's excited for Christmas this year? There was was some star-stopping power that night on Bethlehem, and it was a big deal because stars point to greatness. I can't wait to see God show up in Hope Church in a great way and see so many lives change this Christmas season. Come on, if you were at Impact Night on Thursday night, give me a whoop whoop. Well, we're going to be a part of life transformation this Christmas season. I'm so excited about it. Today, we're going to be talking our first part of a two-part talk. So if you catch the beginning, it's really one message that got really long. And so today, you're going to get two points. And next week, you're going to get two points because sometimes I just talk forever. It's like, just shut up and say it. Just say it. But we're going to have a two-part talk within this series. And uh, we're looking at one of the greatest dreamers in the Bible Bible, (laughs) who, believe it or not, had Stars bow down to him, okay? We're looking at one of the greatest dreamers in the Bible today. We're starting a two-part talk who had stars bow down to him. His name was Joseph. It can be confusing around Christmas. It's not Joseph and Mary. It's the Joseph of the Old Testament book of Genesis. So today, you get half the story. Next week, you get the other half. Are you with me? All right. Genesis 37, starting in verse 3. It says this, now Israel, who was Joseph's dad, Israel, his father, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age he had 11 other boys it doesn't say how many girls they had I'm sure they had girls they didn't really keep track of the girls the same way it's a different reality but he did love one of the boys more than the other 11 boys how many of you just knew that your parents loved one more than the other in your family I mean, it's so obvious. They won't admit it. They won't say it. They have trouble confessing it. But I was the favorite son for sure because I was the only begotten son of my father, right? <laughs> and whoever believed in me will not perish. But, you know, no, the whole family knew that I was the favorite son because I was the only son, right? But I had three big sisters, and it all, we all knew that's, that Kelly, my oldest sister, was the favorite of the family. <laughs> Do you guys know who the favorite in your family is? Come on, Christmas is coming. You're going to see them. You know, your mom's going to be in love with them. Your dad's going to be like, wow, she's amazing. You know, married to a doctor, <laughs> just great people. Their children can do no wrong. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, mom and dad. But I'm just saying like, you know, you know the favorites in the family. How many of you guys know that you are the favorite of the family? Okay, there you go. I love that. Owning the favoritism. I, I, I'm the favorite son. I know that hands down, but I think my sister is the favorite of my parents. Okay. Favorite by far in my family. But Joseph was the favorite of his family. And he knew it. And it's kind of like crazy because everybody in the family knew he was the favorite. And the Thanksgiving dinners and the Christmas celebrations were always like, ooh, look at Joseph. You know, of course Joseph can do no wrong. Of course Joseph's wonderful. He was the son of his old age. And he also kind of like flaunted it. His father flaunted it, the fact that he was the favorite. And he gave him a tunic. Of many colors which is like a really fancy coat for the goat. Everybody say a coat for the goat. The greatest son gets the nicest coat and uh, when his brothers saw that the father loved him more than all his other brothers they hated him and could not speak peaceably to Joseph. Now Joseph had a dream. He told his brothers And they hated him even more. I love this story. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. Just listen to me for one second. I promise it's a good story. You're going to love it. There we were, all 12 of us, binding sheaves in the field like equals. You know, everybody's like, you're not an equal. You never do any of the work. You stay at home. You get taught differently. You get loved differently. You have different coats. Yeah, you know, we're all in the field doing the work. And then behold, my sheaf arose. (laughs) And I stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And they're like, what the sheaf? Get your sheaf down. Get down, roach. I was like, and his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time, not just you, the son And the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. I was hoping there were 11 stars. There's actually 14 stars hanging in this room. But just imagine all 11 stars bowing down to him. So he told his father and his brothers this time. And his father rebuked him. He said, hey, look, you're the favorite, but shut your mouth, okay? You can't be telling everybody. He said, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I, the sun and the moon, and your brothers, the stars, indeed come to bow down to the earth? before you and his brothers envied him but his father father kept the matter in mind this reminds me of mary when she was like correcting joseph or correcting her son jesus i'm sorry i got some name trials this morning i was just trying to get it all straight but here yes mary was correcting her 12 year old son joseph oh my gosh his name's jesus (laughs) so many bible names mary the, the the mother of god okay mary the mother of jesus the 12-year-old's coming from the temple. And he's like, God, oh, don't you know, Mom? I've got to be about my father's business. And she's like, stop it and stay with us. You're getting lost too much. you got to stay with your family. And she kept all these things in her heart. Remember that? The father, he kept all these things in his heart. He's like, "Stop, listen, stop it. You can't tell people this. And he's like, I know there's something to this. And Mary's like, I know there's something to this. The Holy Spirit got me pregnant, and you're God, okay? But stay with your family. You got it? And it's kind of like the same thing I think of Israel and I think of Mary, the mother and the father, like knowing there's greatness in their children. Like, I can't tell your brothers this, but you're awesome. Stop it, but you're really cool. Stop it, but God's got great things for you. Don't tell anybody. But I want you to tell everybody. God's got something great for you. And that's what happened to Jesus and that's what happened to Joseph, okay? Got all the names straight. You guys with me? In the Christmas season, they have this Christmas saying, all is calm and all is bright. I think if we were to ask Joseph about what it's like to have great dreams from God for your life, he would be on the same page as we are around Christmas. He would probably want you to know that if you're going to have great dreams for God, all is not always calm. I mean, his life story says nothing's ever calm, but all is always bright. And so today we're talking, our our first part of this talk, it's all is bright. Go ahead, tell your neighbor, all is bright. All might not be calm, but all is so stinking bright when you have a dream from God. And that's what we're calling this, all is bright. One more time, all is bright. What I love about this story is that Joseph has a joyful expectation of a great future throughout the whole thing. He is joyful, he is a person of hope personified, okay? Joseph was so full of joyful anticipation for good things no matter what was happening in front of him. He was expecting greatness to be his future based on a word from God before he got started, based on a dream from God. And from the age 17 and on, he believed that his future was bright no matter what. I want to tell you, before you get started, before you see anything good or anything bad, you have to believe that your future is brighter than where you've been before. It's brighter than where you've been. And I want to tell you something. He believed it, and he was right. Because as your faith gets ready, as your hope moves, so your life folds. So your life unfolds, so your life happens, as your faith is, so be it unto you, Jesus said. And today I'm going to talk about the great future that God has in store for you. But your first thing is you've got to believe that for yourself, that your best days, your better days are still out in front of you, that God has great dreams for a bright future for every person in this room. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts says God. I know the thoughts I have towards you. Thoughts of peace and not evil. Thoughts to prosper you, not pull you back. To propel you into a future and give you a hope. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and you will pray to me. This is verse 12. And I will listen to you. So right after that, he says, then you'll call on me, you'll pray to me, and I'm going to listen to your heart desires. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God is not far from you. He's found by you. And he is easy to be found. That's the promise of God that he has for your future. I'm going to say a good future. A bright future. 1 Corinthians 2, you may know this verse, have heard this, verse 9. It says, it is written, I has not seen it, ear has not heard Neither has it even entered into the heart of a person the great things that God has prepared. The things he has in store for your future, for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yep, even the deep things of God. So two verses in the Bible where God talks about your future. And God talks it being bright and hopeful and better than before. That you can be prosperous. Do you believe that? that you can overcome insecurities. Do you believe that? That you don't have to live depressed. That you can expect God to heal your heart. You can expect God to heal your body. That you can expect God to bless your finances. You can expect a brighter future in front of you in Jesus' name. The Bible says God is light, okay? Just think about that for a second. God is light and in him there is no shadow or turning or darkness or deception or ignorance. And when God wants to bless you, he'll give you light to see something you couldn't see before. Light illuminates. I know it's deep, but he gives you the ability to see what you couldn't see in the dark. To see his dream. To see his destiny. To see your future, even though everybody has forsaken their future. I'm saying, you can still see it. When I talk about a dream, it means you can see it. But you can't see it. Anybody ever tried to explain a dream? It's like, I can get in that dream with you, and I can see what happened in your imagination, But if you are in the dream you could see it differently it's just different god turns on a light and suddenly you see who you could be you see like the stars aligning and you you see like this is what's supposed to happen i know it in my spirit what you could do who you could be and it inspires you it fires it lights up your life you get what i'm saying i think the worst thing that could happen to you on this planet is for you to be in darkness darkness is separation from god darkness is separation from light and god is light and the worst thing you could be is in the dark about your future to not know where you're going with your life to not know who you are in your life to not know what you're doing with your life and to live in confusion about the why behind the what one of the greatest blessings that can come into your life is when you yield your future to god and he turns on the light And all goes bright. All goes bright. Whenever the Bible speaks of darkness, it doesn't speak, it's not speaking about like the actual darkness. It's speaking of ignorance or unawareness or cluelessness. And when God comes into your life, he awakens you. He turns on the light. All goes bright and you see something you never saw before. You see it differently. Your perspective different. Your lens from last week, your lens gets lifted. Look up. Look up. You just see things differently that you've seen your whole life. I want to ask you, do you think Abraham had ever seen the stars before? I mean, every night he sees the stars. Every night he, he, he could count the stars. Every night the stars are staring him in the face, but he never saw them before. And he has one of two things. He could go, God, that's a great reminder. Thanks for showing me the stars again, I guess. Or he can be like, whoa, there's something here that I've never seen before before and he's looking dead in the face in the same exact group of stars are you catching what I'm saying it's this revelational thing it's not a reminder it's so shall your descendants be and all of a sudden you see something you see all the time illuminated and your future is bright and it was there the whole time but you just couldn't see it before that's what it's like following Jesus like Something pops, everything changes, people matter differently, you see yourself differently, relationships transform, it's like everything moves differently because I see. But I've always had these relationships and I've always had these problems, I've always had these troubles, but you see them as opportunities and you see them as God doing something. and You see them as God moving something. You see God setting you up for success. You see him working all these things together for your good. It's like the same stuff in front of you, but totally transformed. Because of what? Revelation. A word. A reality of who God is. Same stars. You could walk the stars. Look at the stars. Count the stars without the revelation. It does nothing for you. But once you hear God, once he turns on the lights, once he says, are you ready? Look now. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't not see it. And now every single night, I look at these stars and I think descendants My mind is transformed, and my mind is renewed, and I can never see the stars the same way again. You cannot take away that experiential knowledge of who my God is. I can never see the world the same way. I can never see myself the same way. I can never see people the same way again. I I, I can never go back to tent living. Are you catching what I'm saying? And so it's this revelational thing when God shows it to you. It's a powerful thing. Leaders always have a great dream. They always see something. They're thinking toward what they see. They're thinking and planning toward what they saw already. And oftentimes, it's a dream that drives you into your bright future. It's a dream that drives you into your destiny. If you don't have a dream, if the lights are still off, you will have no drive and live in depression. Just... Dreadfully anticipating your destiny. But if you have the lights go on, a dream will drive you towards your destiny. And you can't afford to be depressed. You can't afford to sit still. You can't afford to be lethargic. You can't afford to sit on the sidelines. You have to get after what you see. And a dream drives you because I saw it. I saw it so clearly. It affects how you talk. It affects how you think. It affects how you live. A dream is so important to life. You're like, oh, that's Disney. I don't do Disney dreams. I don't get hopes up. I don't do hope floating. I'm I'm too grounded for that. I'd rather be outside and counting than inside and doubting any day of the week. A dream is so important in life. And really, if you look at this story, you you got one of two camps. A dream despiser or a dream builder? A dream destroyer or a dream builder? Don't be a dream despiser. Don't be a dream destroyer, 11 brothers. Don't be a dream killer. I mean, mom and dads especially, let your kids dream. Don't be a dream. Let God turn on the light and show them the possibilities that he has for them. Where every time God turns on a light, some idiot walks over and turns it off. Stop thinking like that. I don't want you to get hurt. I wanna protect you from your limited potential and God's limited possibility in your life. Stop turning off the lights. Turn on the lights. Allow the lights to stay on. God wants to turn on the light. He wants to illuminate your future and say, it's good, I have good things. I put good things inside of you. I have good dreams for you. I have a hope and a future. Keep letting him turn on the lights. Encourage your kids to dream for greatness. And doing great things that have massive impact on other people's lives. Not them, not just themselves, but other people's lives. Well, my kids dream and it seems like everything in the world revolves around them. Hello, Joseph. (laughs) My kids dream and it's like they're the star in the middle and the sun and the moon rotate around them. They're so not grounded. They're so conceited. They're so immature. Yeah, he's a 17-year-old kid and he has a dream from God. Let the light stay on. Let the lights stay on. Everybody say, don't put the lights out. There are people who destroy dreams, sometimes on purpose, but most of the time, they don't even know that they're doing it. Most teachers don't know they're turning off lights. And that's why I can't listen to every naysayer. That's why I can't listen to every agitated and angry person out there with their cause. Don't listen to skeptics and haters and people who keep it real and are super grounded. Instead, tune into the heartbeat of heaven and dream the dreams of God. We talked about it last week. Heaven's perspective to earth is how earth should operate for kingdom people. Are you seeing from earth to heaven or are you seeing heaven to earth? Because God wants you to get a vision for your life is that from heaven to earth your will be done right here in earth as it is in heaven look now I know you've looked before look now quit telling the looker of all lookers to look from earth to heaven and say you look now from heaven to earth count the stars if you can I believe that God has a great future for you and it is bright tell your neighbor your future is bright in Jesus name come on anybody believe that in this place come on We have a future that's bright. This is the problem. Now, I can't give you a full picture of the great future that God has for you. You, You've got to see the future that God has in mind for you. You've got to see it. The Bible says if you can believe it, all things are possible to those who believe. If you do not see it, you will not achieve it. If you don't close your eyes and envision it, you will never materialize it. Come on, family. Let's lift up our eyes and see the future that God shows us, not that we show ourselves. Not that other people show us. Let's see God intervening on our behalf. Let's see the the land overflowing with milk and honey. That's what Joshua and Caleb said to see. They said, I see something different. From heaven to earth, it overflows. Let's see wholeness in our marriages and our families. Let's see promotions in our future. Let's see ourselves as part of the solution and not part of the problem. Let's see ourselves as attractive kingdom believers and not like, oh, those people. People say depression is a part of life. I refuse to believe that. It's not the way I see it. I don't see it for anybody. Well, you don't have my condition. You don't have my circumstance. You don't have my, I I don't want to see it. And it's not because I have my head in the sand. It's because I don't want you to have to get conditioned to your condition. Because my God said that he is the shield around me. He's my glory. And the lifter. The lifter of my head. Not the caster downer, not the pusher downer, not the the downer downer. He's the lifter. Everybody say the lifter. You serve a God who is a gift with a lift. He gifts you and he lifts you. He lifts your head. He's the glory and the shield around you. I will not be one of those depression statistics and I could be depressed. Everybody could be depressed. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pull people around me out of depression. And I'm going to eradicate hopelessness in the circles of my life. I'm going to win so many people to the solution-filled Savior, Jesus. We want to be difference makers because it is God with me and it is God for me. And I can see that with him, anything is possible for anyone at any time, even in 2021. I have a dream for my office. Do you have a dream for yours? I have a dream for my workplace. I have a dream for my school. Is any, any kids or youth or anybody have a dream for the, the people in their lives? I can see it. Somebody shout, "I can see it!" I can see it. Say it again. My future's, My future's bright. And if you don't see it, you'll never reach out and try to get it. Abraham sees stars, but he doesn't see them every single night. You have got to see it. See it. Not just watch other people see it. It's a great dream that will drive you towards greatness in your future. It's a great dream that'll drive you towards greatness in your destiny. All is bright. Ever say, "All is bright." The bright future that God has in store for you. Not the dark future that the devil has in mind for you. And there's a contrast. Not the future that somebody else wants to show you. Stop looking to your dark past for vision. Stop looking to dark, depressed people for your vision. And begin to focus on your bright future in Jesus. Because your future is bright. So many people look to their past to determine what their vision for their future will be. We saw it last week. Nothing good's comes from camping in yesterday nothing good comes out of where you've been before you have to force yourself to step outside to be torn from your tent to be just tired of your tent and look ahead to your future to dream a dream that's really from God Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 the apostle Paul says hey brothers I don't count myself to have apprehended to have arrived at my dreams but one thing I do I forget it's like some people will say seems like, Pastor Nate, you forgot where you came from. Don't you want to forget? You forgot who you're talking to. Don't, don't you want to forget? You forgot what town you're a part of. Don't, I forget the things which are behind, and I'm reaching ahead prophesying life into my future. Well, we live in a dead area. I prophesy life into this area. I forget the death. I seek the life. Well, Elmira's a cesspool. I I, I speak life. I speak successful, not cesspool. I speak provision, prosperity. You can look back at what's been and how it's been. Well, it's been like this since the Civil War. Elmira, and that, let's just stop it. Look ahead. I I don't know. Paul's good enough for me. He's the closest thing to Jesus that wrote the Bible. Let's get get with it. I, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward. I reach forward into my future to the great things that God has ahead of me. So stop thinking about the past that was rough. You don't understand my past. You're thinking too much about what you should be forgetting. And it's not me telling you That's the scriptures telling you. It's the word of God or even the past that was good. You're thinking too much about the good old days and they weren't that great. Think of how ineffective you were. Think of how many few people are following Jesus because of the good old days. Think about where they are now. Come on, I'm not satisfied with good. I'm not satisfied with bad. I'm going to start to fixate on the future ahead of me. That is great. And it's greater than great. A future is the only thing that's fresh in your life. You want to know the freshest thing in your life? It's the future. It's not your past. It's not even your now. It's the future is freshest. Everybody say freshest. Why does all the marketing in the world go toward the youth? Because they're the freshest. Why does everything rise and fall on the trends of youth? Because they're freshest. Freshest wins. Your future wins over your past every time. And not only is your future bright and fresh, it's favored. Come on, baby. There is more favor there than there is back there. Well, I remember when God did da da dee do do do. We serve a God of crescendos. He says, "I'll take you from glory." to glory so stop living in the glory days because there's better glory coming for you he said i'll take you from strength back here to better strength up here you're going from strong to stronger he's the god who crescendos in life he's the god who moves things into your future brighter better bigger than before Because you're not the same person you were before. So we go back to good old days. You're never going to win that argument. Ask the Apostle Paul. Forget the things which are behind. The good things. The bad things. The broken things. The trauma things. And press. Reach. To the bright future that God has for you. Because not only is your future bright and fresh. It's more favored. What's that mean? It's favored by God. A favored future brings about an inner security that cannot be shaken. Ask Joseph. You can try to shake him. You can try to shake him. You can try to shake him. He knows he's the favorite. He knows he is favored by his father. He knows that God speaks to him like nobody else speaks to him. He knows that if God before him, who or what could stand against me? Because a favored future brings about an inner security where you can face anything. No matter what, I'm sticking with God's dream for my life. Because I am favored of the Lord and my future is secure. The Bible said that his father Jacob made Joseph a coat of many colors. And because Joseph was his favorite son, he gave it to him. He gave, he just gave it to him. He didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. Come on, say, my future is more favored. He just landed it on his back. He landed on his shoulders. He landed it on his arms. The coat was a symbol of the favor of the father on Joe's life. It was a symbol of how much the father loved him. It was a coat of many colors. Everybody say many colors. Which speaks to the manifold grace of God. The manifold favor of God, the favor of God that can reach into any facet of your life, financial, relational, emotional, come on, spiritual. He can favor you in any manifold facet of your life. It's on Joseph's life. It's many colors for many problems, many colors for many different walks of life, manifold for anybody. Is anybody greater? Is your problem greater than God's manifold grace? Lord, it's the greatness of God's grace that's manifold that can reach you where you're at and 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 you where you're at. And, you you're at, and it, can't, it can reach into any circumstance in a manifold way. It was vibrant. We would say it was loud. It was a bold declaration and celebration. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It was a bold declaration declaration does anybody have a declaration deep down inside of you i am favored of the lord and celebration he likes me and i like it ah. i'm rejoicing it's a celebration coat it's a declaration coat here's my son here's my favorite when his favor comes upon your life and it did at calvary if you've accepted what jesus has done for you you become so blessed it's the best coat from the goat I'm serious. You get the best coat of favor from the goat. Jesus was the greatest of all time. He was the goat and he dressed you in his best coat. Come on, he says, I will give you righteousness for all your filthy rags. I will clothe you again. I will give you a, a, a way where there seemed to be no way. You get the best coat from the goat of goats. It's his favor, it's his blessing. He said, I will dress you in a new dress that you cannot earn, deserve, pay for, buy it, beg it, borrow it, steal it yourself. I got righteousness for your rags. Talk about favor, people. And when you are wrapped up in that coat of favor, it's hard to hide. It's hard to hide that you love Jesus and Jesus loves you. It's hard to hide that you get blessed when everybody else is stressed. It's hard to downplay how good Jesus is at dressing you. Come on, it's hard to downplay what Jesus has dressed you in. Come on. The coat was loud the coat stood out the coat did not blend at work the coat was noticeable the coat was bright never blending come on you salt come on you light come on you believers be bright never blend salt never blends you know it's there and you know when it's not there that's right All is bright when you're a believer. You have saltiness, you have flavor, you add the God color, the God flavor to the world. Even the kid's coat spoke of the greatness of his God. Did you know that people, did you know that God wants his favor in your life to be seen by other people? Did you know? That God wants favor on your life. Hello, Abraham. I'm going to bless you in blessing you, and you're going to be a blessing. He wants everybody to know that you are so blessed. God wants everybody to know that you are not depressed. He wants everybody to see you happy and want what you have. He wants everybody to see you free internally and say, man, I wish I was that secure. Did you know that God wants everybody to see his favor on your internal life? He wants everything inside of you to shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> shine bright like a diamond. Just like it was seen when Joseph put it on. Do you think Israel gave his son Joseph a coat to hide in the dark? Do you think he gave him a coat to blend in? He said, I want everybody to see the favor that I put on my youngest son, Joseph. The favor of God wants the favor from the father wants to wrap itself around you so much so that he gives you a dream for greatness and that dream causes you to stand out and do things that you thought you could never do the bible said he dreamed a dream of being in a field and the harvest began to bow down to him in the field i love the fact that he had a dream connected to the harvest anybody have a dream connected to a greater harvest (laughs) jesus said "The, the, the laborers are few but the harvest is everywhere the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The people whose dream is actually connected to the harvest are few. Not too many. Not too many people, even believers, hook up their dreams with heaven's harvest dream. And if you want to know if your dreams are hooked up to heaven's harvest, just answer this question in all your dreaming. In what part of my dream do other people discover hope in Jesus and become a part of a greater harvest? In what part of my dream for my life do other people discover the hope that I found in Jesus and hook up to a harvest that's eternal? Well, I have a dream. Okay. What part of your dream? Well, I have a vision. I, I want to I do this, 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 and this, and this. I want to do this and launch this and be this. and That's great. Here's a litmus test. What part of your dream? Does anybody discover the hope that you found in Jesus? And become a part of a harvest dream like Joseph had. Because by the end of his greatness dream that Joseph has, it's a great dream for his life. His whole family is saved, but that's not it. Even more so, an entire godless nation is saved. All of Egypt is saved from famine. All of Egypt is rescued from something that kills and knocks out every other nation. It's a harvest dream, not just for 11 brothers, my four, my mom and dad, the sun, moon, and stars. It's not like I'm just here to get my babies through life and help my wife and help my son and help my daughter. I've actually got a harvest dream that's for an entire nation. You know what I loved about Daniel? He had dreams from God. He interpreted dreams from God. And every time he interpreted a dream from God, a great dream from God, whole nations of sinners were found redeemed. Let's talk about it. King Nebuchadnezzar, the big statue guy, and another in the fire and the whole thing, he said, I want everybody to bow down and worship the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want these men's God to be our God. And all of Babylon was converted to Christ or die. That's pretty nasty. I mean, the guy was really insecure. He had a huge statue. It was a big thing. But I'm telling you, It affected so many more people than just, you know, my mom and dad that I got stolen from, and they're doing good, and my little Jewish community back home that I was abducted from as a child and brought here. It's like, it's so not the point. Daniel's family was saved, but it's so not the point. And then King Darius comes, and he's like, I have a dream. And (laughs) Daniel's like, guess what? By the end of God's great dream for your life, all the nation will be saved. And guess what? The whole nation because of what happened to Daniel and the den with the little kitties and the angel. Guess what happened? Everybody gets saved. It's a harvest dream. Does your life have any harvest in it when it's all said and done? If we're ever going to be a time where we needed to have a dream that was connected to the harvest, it's now. And the dream, he saw the harvest bowing down. The Bible said, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. The harvest dream is not exclusive to churches and their staff. Whatever field God has put you in, whatever place in the marketplace God has given you, you need to connect that dream to a harvest dream. I don't care if you're on the swing shift. I don't care if you're a nurse. I don't care if you're an educator. Connect the dream that God has given you to a harvest dream. Put something behind it that's bigger than self. If you're a business person, connect your business to a harvest dream. God can bless that business and cause it to... If you're an innovator, connect it to the harvest. I know we have lots of engineers and scientists and creators. God can give you ideas that no one else has to work with, can come up with. If he can trust you with increase... I, I, your mom and dad with a vision for harvest, God can bless the work of your hands. Always connect that dream for your family or your finances or your babies to a bigger harvest than just you. Because if God can find people where he can put his dream in their heart, and they don't just consume it on themselves, but they connect it to a greater harvest, he can bless it greater greater, and mightier than anything you could do within yourself. Joseph had a dream that was all about the harvest. That's point number one. Hook up. Your dreams to the harvest of heaven. And there's a reason I cut this in half. I should have cut it in quarters, right? Next four weeks, we're going to be doing a talk. Going to get a point a week, okay? Hook up your dreams to the harvest of heaven. I'm dreaming of a great harvest in this city. How about you? I have dreams for hope, but they're connected to a harvest. I have dreams of harvest for this church, but it's connected to a greater harvest. I'm dreaming that lives would be changed in a greater way than even what I can talk to and what I can speak into. Go on. And that's the kind of dream that God will bless over and over again. Are you tracking? Now, what I love about this story is he dreamed the dream and he told his brothers. He saw the dream. He believed the dream. It was so real to him that he had to tell people next to him. He had to. And the Bible says that his brothers hated him because of the dream. It's interesting that everybody is not going to be happy about your great harvest dreams for God. And when I say everybody, I don't just mean the world's going to come at you for having a big dream from God. Mostly, I mean the Christian family members might not be excited about your great harvest for the kingdom. Verse 8, the Bible said they hated him because of his dream. That's bad enough, but his words. I think it's so exciting to hear that because it could have just said because of the dream he had. But it's the dream and the words. Not only did he see the dream, he believed the dream enough to say something. And that's when you really start to rile people up. You're going to get nowhere with unbelief in your heart. Belief is what gets you off the launching pad. We're talking about a brighter future. You've got to see it, but you also got to believe it. you got to see it, and you got to believe it. you got to see it, and you got to believe it beneath the surface. And if you believe it, guess what? You'll start to say it. Because every strong conviction matches a strong confession. Your confession should match your conviction. A conviction is something you believe in your heart. I believe in this place. I believe in these people. And unless I confess it, it holds little to no weight. It's great to have a great dream in silence, but it has less weight. Your confession should match your conviction. Because when you see the dream and believe what you saw, you will say what you saw. You will say what you saw. I have to say what I see. Verse 8, they hated him because of his dream and what he said and his words and his confession. The next part in verse 9 said he dreamed another dream. And the second dream was bigger than the first dream. What's more important, stacks of hay or stars? Stacks or stars, everybody? Stars. Second dream, he saw the sun, moon, stars bowing down to him. And a whole bunch of bright stuff including the stars, bowed down to his even brighter star. He's like, I'm surrounded with greatness. And all this greatness kind of bows before me. The sun, my mom, my dad, the moon, the stars. Now, they didn't like his first dream. And since he said, well, since you're mad about the first dream, I might as well tell you part two, okay? It's a two-part talk. And it's even more extreme. It's even brighter. Bright stars were bowing down to their even brighter baby brother. Bright people were bowing down to their even brighter baby brother. Yep, you heard it, baby brother. Now, maybe you don't understand this. I am the baby of my family, but no matter what you do in life, you will always be the little brother. Do you understand what I'm saying? Come on, any any baby brothers in here? Okay, this is just hard for anybody to swallow. My little brother, that little punk, and he's 17 and he's telling me how to live life. And what's gonna happen in my future? Are you kidding me? I want you to just catch it? bright stars are bowing down to their even brighter baby brother. I saw the moon, the stars, mom and dad, and now they are ticked. I mean, they are really angry, and they get furious at God's plan for their own bright future, favor, and provision. These brothers get furious at God's plan. For their future, great future, and brighter provision. By the way, he is their meal ticket. They are so insecure. In the dream, all is bright for the 11 brothers too. Guess what? If your brother does well, you all live. If your brother does not do well, you all die. And they're angry at God's great plan for their future success. I want to ask some elder brothers in the place. Are you angry at God's great plan for your future success because you see it blowing somebody else up? I serve a God who says we can all go up, grow up, and blow up at the same time. And if one of us do well, we all do well. And if one of us is rejoicing, we all rejoice. And if one of us is hurting, we all hurt. He says, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And he's like, come on, this is good news for you, brothers. And you despise God's goodness? Being made manifest through your baby brother? Yeah, you're going to try to kill God's future plan of provision before it even gets off the ground. That's right. Even while they're trying to kill their future meal ticket that saves their whole family, including sun, moon, and stars, okay, God is still saying, All is bright for you even when you self-sabotage in your life. Man, I want every believer to hear this. Every time you self-sabotage, God is still working things together for your good. And that thing that you meant for evil, he actually turns it around and he works it for good. You wait till you get here next weekend. I want to tell you about it. It's going to be powerful because God is going to have his way in your life whether you resist him, kill him, or you just get along with it. I'm telling you what God says at the very end of the story. The thing you meant for evil, I actually turned it and worked it for good in your favor as I was trying to bless you. And as you were self-sabotaging, I was sending a gift to you wrapped up in your baby brother. All is bright for you even if you reject God. All is bright for you even if you run away from your destiny. All is bright for you even if you, come on, you cannot outdo God's great plan for your life. Even when you destroy what I'm trying to bless you through, I will bless you. And God is rich in mercy to all the big brothers saying, don't worry, Joseph, all is bright. Don't worry, Benjamin, all is bright. Don't worry, all is bright. He's telling all of his brothers, all is bright for you, all is bright for them, all is bright for mama, all is bright for daddy, all is bright for a whole nation, you don't even know their names all is bright for Pharaoh, all is bright for his staff, all is bright for his servants, all is bright for his people, all is bright for Egypt. You're about to set up a nation that will later enslave you. Because I am going to bless everything you touch, Joseph. All is bright no matter what. Man, if my brother does better than me, I'll get so jealous and so angry and so whatever. You know what? All is still bright for you too. Well, if I see something really good happening for that place or these people, and I'm like, man, I'm get so jealous. You know what? God's big enough for both. I love that all is bright. Well, that's just pretty preaching. No, 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 no. It's not pretty preaching alone. It is pretty, but it's not pretty preaching alone. It's the word of God saying, brothers, jerks, murderers, all is still bright for you. The mercy of God is brand new every day. It's stronger than your resistance to God's grace. His love for you is bigger than your rejection of your hatred for him. I'm telling you, he likes you. He likes you no matter where you're at with him. God is good with you, and he likes you, and he's going to be good to you. Come on. All is bright for people you don't know. All is bright for all the ones you love. All is bright for you. God is big enough. He's bigger than you. I'm dishing out a dream that works all things together for good. So brothers, you might be ticked right now at some of the things and how they're playing out and what dreams you're listening to, but all is bright. And notice the dream gets bigger and brighter from harvest to stars because every dream that God has for your life is progressive. It always gets bigger and never diminishes. I don't care, I don't care what age you are. This is no time to sit back, retire, and watch somebody else take a turn because you're about to come into a season of crescendo. Watch. Come on now. We're going to do something different. Watch, We're Never get okay with watching somebody else step into their dream. Well, you sit on the sidelines. You've got to see it. You've got to believe it. And you've got to say something about what you see. you got to go for greater and get dreaming because God's dream is always progressive. God's dream is always greater, never lesser. you got to see and believe the rest of your life will be the best of your life. There's still a dream inside of you. Do you do believe that, people of hope? Come on. Verse 18 said, when they saw their little brother coming afar off. Now, remember, he's walking towards them, confident and colorful. Joseph is speaking out and strolling about with confidence in what God showed him. Speaking out and strolling about. Here he comes. Okay, do you believe the the dream God's given you? Well, then you're not going to shuffle through life. You're not going to, like, shoulder shuffle like a herd of elephants, right? You're going to strut your stuff? You're going to walk with some... You're going to walk like a king. You're going to talk like a king. He's got a sweet stride. He's strolling about, and he is speaking out. Come on. Any coats of color and confidence in this room? You should be the most confident people at your workplace. You're going to walk like a person who is going somewhere in life. You're going to walk like somebody who's getting ready to arrive somewhere in God's great purpose for your life. You're going to walk as somebody is about to appoint you to give you an assignment. Come on. You're not going to walk as a victim. You're going to walk as a victor in your life. Your walk is important. Your talk is important. He didn't walk like a kid. He walked like a king. He didn't walk like a, a, a dull person. He walked like a bright person. And if you know the story, he's about to be thrown into a pit, sold into slavery by his brothers, get accused of rape, end up in jail. And his colorful, confident walk is about to cost him everything. And his colorful, confident walk, this is what causes so many people to stop going for greatness. Because they believe, if I'm colorful, and I'm confident, and I walk, it's going to cost me everything. Or is it? Or is it? It's about to cost him, yes, everything that doesn't matter. It's going to cost him the comfort of his daddy's tent. It's going to cost him The comfort of being around his big brothers that hate him. It's going to cost him his comfy closet at home full of colorful coats and his option for complacency. It's going to cost me too much to be confident and colorful. Yeah, it's going to cost you everything that doesn't matter. It's going to cost him his ability to have another comatose Christmas season. He has not had that option anymore. It's do or die time. He lost lackadaisical when he surrendered his life to confident and colorful. He lost lethargic as soon as he believed enough in his dream to change his walk, to change his talk, to see the value in himself and actually strut strut his stuff in life, not in cockiness, but in confidence. You could say that confident decision cost him his life. I would say that confident decision commenced his life. And until you make a confident decision, you will not even start in the dream that God has for you. Well, as soon as he was confident and they saw him walking so colorful and confident, it cost him his life. They threw him into a pit. He went into prison. All this bad stuff happened to him. He was just terrified over and over. It would be awful. And I would say his life didn't start until that confident walk happened. His life didn't start until that confident decision happened. He actually commenced his life with his confidence. See, he was alive but not really living up to that point. Like so many believers, I'm alive, but I'm not really alive. Until his confidence in what God said started to show. Is anything in your life showing what God said to you? Once he started to live it out and take action on his dream from the word of God, once he started to take action on the word of God, being a doer, not just a listener, he started to go somewhere with his life. His dream took off. When he he took action, his dream took off. It looked like it went really down, sharp, into a pit, but it took off. Verse 18, so when they saw him afar off, because they saw him, they conspired against his confidence and his colorfulness and said, behold, the dreamer comes. Behold, the dreamer cometh. They didn't even call him by his name. They can't even say the word Joseph, our baby brother. They called him by his dream. That's the value of having a dream that God places in your heart. A God dream will distinguish you. And they won't know your name, but they'll know your dream. That's point number two. A great God dream will define and distinguish you. A great God dream will define you and distinguish you. The other day I was in Wegmans. A little girl comes up to me. She said, hey, you're Hope. Mom, look, it's Hope. You don't even know my name, but you know my dream. It will call you and define you. By your dream. I do have a dream. And it's not me. My dream is not Nate. It's hope. That's what you give your life to. That's what you give your all to. I want to see God do something through a dream that he gave me. Something I see. A great God dream will define you and distinguish you. And they won't call you by your name. They'll call you by your dream. When God gives you a dream, it will make you stand out. It will make you stand bright. When God gives you a dream, it will mark you. It will make you different from other people. Well, you're so much better, you're so much different. Blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. We have a destiny, each one of us. And most importantly, it will cause the name that is above every other name to be lifted high. When He places a dream in your heart, they'll say, Hey, look, it's Jesus. <laughs> it's God people, it's Jesus love people, it's the generous people. It's the peace-filled people. It's the joy-filled people. It's the kind people. Look, it's Jesus. That's what we want. That's the ultimate man. If she would have called me Jesus, I would have been like on cloud nine. But I'm just hope. Verse 20, they said, we shall kill him. Cast him into a pit. And to say some evil beast devoured him and they got goat's blood. And they took that blood and threw it all over his external favor. You can't touch. That favor is representation of something that's inside him. It's the greatness inside him, not on the outside of him. You can throw blood on my coat every single day, but you can't touch what's in me. You can't touch the favor of God in me, on me. And then they said, we'll see what becomes of his dream. Don't you love Christians like that? By the way, these are Christians. You'll see. We'll see what happens with that dream. That's a stack of cards waiting to fall. We'll see. Everybody will see it. More people are going to get hurt. And we'll see what becomes of that dream. You see, I want, you to warn, I want to warn you that God places a dream in your heart. There comes a risk and a danger in obeying God and going after that dream. There will always be risk when God puts a dream in your heart. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't work out, but there's always this other place. Maybe it will. And this text reveals two great things about a dream from God. Here it is. Number one, the enemies of Joseph were smart enough to know that his dream was going to come to pass. They were smart enough to know that he was a threat, and he actually believed what he was confessing, and his conviction matched his confession. It's like, oh my gosh, this kid believes this, and it's going to happen. The enemies because the reason they started fighting against him was the very fact that they thought, if we don't do something and stop this, as crazy as this kid is, as crazy as his dream is, Joseph actually believes he's going to make a difference. And you know what? We believe it's gonna happen, so let's kill him. Let's kill him and see what happens to that great dream. So they were smart enough to know that there was a dream that was gonna come to pass. I've come to encourage somebody, the fact that you're under pressure, and the fact that there's adversity all around you, and the fact that things are coming after you, does not mean that you should give up going for greatness. It's an actually an indication that you should go after greater. Not walk away, not say the dream is dead, instead it should fire you up to say I'm going for greater. I'm not quitting on the dream that God asked for me. So the enemies of Joseph were smart enough to know the dream Was going to come to pass if they didn't do something about it, but secondly, they were stupid enough to think they could stop it. They were smart enough to try to stop it, but they were stupid enough to think they could stop it. You have to understand something about a dream. When God puts a dream in your heart, nobody can stop it. I said when God puts a dream in your heart, nobody can stop what God is saying yes to. When God says yes, it's a yes. Nobody's no competes with God's greater yes. You know you have a real dream from God. When you can be in the midst of adversity, and you keep saying, it's still going to happen. I know what I saw. I know what he showed me. I know what he said. I know what his word says. I know what I see when I close my eyes. I know what he saw. I saw stars bowing down. I saw it. You can't steal it from me, what I saw. Anything is possible. But you've got to see it. You've got to believe it. And 1,000 will fall at your right side and 10,000 at your right. It will not come near me. I believe God for a hedge of protection. If he has something for me, nobody can take it from me. Nobody can take it from me. I believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. In Jesus' name, come on. We have to build our lives and our dreams upon the word of God. Do you receive that in this place? See, going through life cynical and skeptical will get you nowhere. It will not brighten up your future. God promises you a bright future, but you have to believe what he said. Next year will be our biggest year yet. Next year will be our brightest year yet. Next year will be our saltiest year yet. We are going to go from good to great, people of hope. We're going to go for greater in the name of Jesus because that's the promise that God has for us.